0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the newest episode of Scoring Long. I'm your host, Zach Neal. We've got a lot to get to today. We've got Oregon Spring Game coming up on Saturday afternoon. I know a lot of fans are really excited to get out to Austin Stadium. should be warm, should be sunny. Um, it's going to be a really good time. We're bringing on 247 Sports' Eric Scopel uh, from Duck Territory to talk about that. We're going to specifically talk about some of the players we're really excited to watch. Um, some things that we're just looking forward to about that. I've got a few quick notes up top on recruiting, uh, mainly some quarterback recruiting that's going on with the Ducks. It's a football-heavy podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. Before bring Eric on, I want to talk about quarterback recruiting for the Ducks. There have been some uh, some big shifts over the past, I think, week or so, maybe two weeks. But, um, you know, it feels like Oregon is kind of down to two quarterbacks right now. There seems to be a heavy lean towards one. Uh, fortunately, it seems to be that the cards are in favor of the, the guy that most people agree is more talented and the more highly coveted player. It seems like the Ducks are trending to land him. So, you've got four-star Michael Van Buren, who is the number eleven quarterback in the nation, the number one thirty player overall. You got three-star quarterback Luke Moga, who is the number thirty-two quarterback, the number uh, five hundred fourteen player overall. For a long time, it's felt like the Ducks. You know, they were trending for Luke Moga. Um, it, it felt like Michael Van, Michael Van Buren, though. You know, Oregon was recruiting him and really wanted him. He was leaning towards Penn State, and he was probably going to go elsewhere other than Oregon. But that was, you know, okay, because the Ducks liked what they had in MOGA. They liked, you know, the type of player he is. I think they could develop him. But over the past week or so, things have changed a little bit. You had uh, Michael Van Buren. He took a visit to Oregon earlier in the year. I forget when that was. I think it was in February or January. But he, he came on another visit last week and was said to have absolutely loved it. He surprised some people when over the weekend he said that, hey, I, I know I was just here, but I'm, I'm taking another visit out to Eugene for a spring game um, and for the spring game this week, which is, you know, that's not a small task because this is a guy that lives, you know, on the East Coast. He's over in the Northeast America. So he's coming out on his own dime and traveling cross country to see Oregon again. And we've seen some predictions start to come out that you know Michael Van Buren is is starting to trend towards Oregon. There's been some crystal ball predictions, some predictions on on three that um, that he's actually favoring the Ducks over the Nittany Lions at Penn State, and probably going to end up being a Duck. He, I believe, he announced um, that he's going to set his commitment date for July 8th. That was a couple of weeks ago that he announced that there's some buzz that he might commit earlier. It could be as soon as this weekend if he really is just. Blown away again by his visit at the spring game. Uh, there, it could be that he that he commits this weekend. Maybe maybe not likely, but he he probably is going to announce. You know, before July eighth, I would believe. Um, I think that that could come sooner than that. So, on top of the Van Buren news, you have Luke Moga. He was set to announce his commitment on uh, April twenty eighth, the Friday before the spring game. He delayed that announcement over the weekend. I think that there's kind of some. Some different dominoes falling and some things working in conjunction with each other that he sees that Van Buren visited and is visiting again, and he kind of sees that yeah the Ducks may take Van Buren over me, so he delayed his announcement. He's gonna kind of wait to see how things play out and decide what he wants to do to the future. So um, I think all in all, this is uh, pretty positive for the Ducks. I think that if you're trending for Van Buren, he's a he's a better prospect. That's no insult to Moga I think it's just he's a a more talented player and I think someone that the Ducks would rather have at this point Um, you know if you get either one of these two guys I think you feel pretty confident but a little bit more so with Van Buren with Moga Um, but either way I think that it's it's setting up pretty nicely for the Ducks right now at that quarterback position speaking of recruiting there's just a a massive massive visitor list for uh, for high-profile recruits coming to Eugene for the spring game at the moment you've got you know eight or nine five star players that are on the list you've got KJ Bolden, Dylan Williams, David Stone, Elijah Rushing, Dylan Stewart, Colin Simmons, Brandon Baker, Jordan Ross, Jamonta Waller. I mean the list goes on of just all of these incredible incredible players that are coming to Eugene for the spring game. It's by far the you know the most star-studded visitor list we've ever seen at Oregon. Um it's just really impressive what Dan Lanning and the staff have been able to do in their, you know, their short time with the program and that they're kind of getting on the map and making sure that these best players in the nation are, you know, gonna come to Eugene. And um it's it was it's just been really impressive to see all of these top guys uh just making sure that they get out to Eugene and see what the Ducks have going to see what Dan Lanning's doing. So if you want to see the whole list of players that have confirmed they're coming so far, we've got that up on Duckswire. Again, it's going to be a massive weekend. It should be beautiful and sunny. Um, it should be a, a great environment out there. Dan Lanning has already talked about, you know, the fans really having an impact on what that experience is like for these recruits that are in town and, and how big of a deal it is that, you know, they kind of increase that experience for them and show them what Eugene is all about. So, um, I don't know that it's gonna result in, you know, a handful of commitments after the weekend. That'd be awesome if it did. But Lanning talked yesterday when we talked about him. He said, you know, that's that's not what this weekend is about. This weekend is about building relationships and and showing these players what it's like in Eugene. If that results in commitments, great. If not, you know, we're we're not worried about it. So um I think it, it should be a really fun weekend recruiting wise, and it, it's gonna be an impressive one for the ducks. All right, let's take a quick break, and then I'm going to bring on Eric, and we are going to dive into the spring game. All right, I am joined by Eric Scopel with 247 Sports Duck Territory, one of my uh, one of my favorite guys to chop it up with when we are either waiting for practice to start or waiting for interviews or just in general, a lot of waiting we do. And this is one of my guys to kind of sit around and talk with. So, Eric, uh, thanks for coming on. How are you doing? I feel like we probably have
1: 24 hours this spring of just waiting conversations. Maybe I don't know. I'm just estimating like how many hours do you think we actually spend during a spring? 12 sessions, like probably like an hour or two at least.
0: Yeah. I think that might even be, that might even be on the low end. I mean, if you look, I would, I would wonder if we charted that out for an entire year, how much time we just spend standing in that courtyard, just kind of waiting for people, just, just waiting and and shooting the breeze. So um, always (laughs) fun. A lot of, a lot of TV talk, a lot of, just just gossip and, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff that we get into, so we're not going to do that today. We're going to stay on point. We're going to talk about the, uh, the Oregon Spring Game Cup on Saturday. I know there is a lot of things to talk about, but we're going to talk specifically about some of the players that we're most excited to see, so... I've got a list of all the positions we are going to choose one player at each position group that we're uh, excited to see kind of expect big things for except for offensive and defensive line and we're going to pick two uh, two people each uh, for those positions because there's you know several to talk about so um, without you know beating around the bush at all let's go ahead and get into it so why don't you start us off with quarterback who are you most excited to see uh, in the quarterback room this year. I think there's two options that are really compelling,
1: and it's it's the guys we haven't seen very much of. And I guess I'll just go with Ty Thompson because I, this feels like a bigger spring for him than it does Austin Novosad, who's the other choice. Just because if you're Novasad, this is your first spring. Like it's exciting to see him out there, and I think the fans are really, you know, there's some enthusiasm about it. But I also think everybody's kind of a, of the understanding that he's a year or two away from really contributing. Whereas Ty Thompson, obviously, he's not going to contribute this year, but like you're hoping he shows you enough in the spring that you're like, okay, by next year, he might be your starter. Like he's going to be the front runner, uh, depending upon what they do in the portal and how all this plays out. But like, there's a chance Ty Thompson is your quarterback in, in 2024. And you'd love to see him play better than he did a year ago in the fall. And, I thought he was okay in the spring game a year ago, but you certainly want to see some. He was fine. Yeah, you want to see some progress there too. So I mean, I I remain, and I know we've talked about this a lot, just if you go out and watch practice, like one of my favorite things to do in part because we don't get to see a lot is just watch Ty Thompson just arm rifle the ball like 70 yards in the air. I I don't know how far he's actually throwing it because we have poor uh, depth perception from where we're watching it from, but it's like he can really sling the ball and physically he has all the tools. So I, I haven't given up on him. But we all know the reason he hasn't been particularly successful is because of all the other stuff. So um I'm I'm curious to see if he's made progress in, in some of those areas. And and certainly Saturday will give us like early indications. It doesn't mean a ton, but it'll give us an idea of where he's at.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. There's been I've been hearing a lot of mixed messages about Ty Thompson this spring. I mean, we've talked to coaches and players who've been like, yeah, he's I mean, he's picking up the offense. He's really a leader out there, he's he's really coming into his own as a player talked to some people that watched, you know, the, the two scrimmages and they're saying, you know, accuracy is still really an issue. He's thrown some picks. He's thrown some balls that easily could have been pick sixes. So I'm curious to see, you know, obviously this is all just secondhand information that, that right. I'm getting. So I can't wait to see what we get and see, you know, if he's making better decisions with the ball, if he's kind of a little bit more accurate. We, we know he's got all the intangibles to be a great quarterback. So, yeah, he's someone I can't wait to watch. Um, you had a good point about Nova said, Yes, I want to see him just because we haven't seen him before. That's not against high school players. I think that I'm gonna go with a sneaky answer. I can't wait to watch Matt Rush. (laughs) What are we doing? I know, but (laughs) I I know. I mean, I just I wanna be a little off the path, but former division three quarterback that had 54 touchdowns and 10 interceptions at Washington University. So I'm just, you know, they may have something there. It could be a little, you know. Stetson Bennett situation oh, wow. who knows he he may be your quarterback next year I know I'm a little bit tongue-in-cheek there but I hope you uh, are no <laughs> yes I am obviously that the answer is Austin Nova, is That I want to see him but I also will be excited when Matt Rush takes the field if we get to see much of that going forward uh, I'm I'm curious to see if we do see the walk-on
1: quarterbacks very much like I know yeah. last year we, we really saw very very little um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think back actually because Marcus Sanders arrived in the fall uh, was Van
0: Dyne? Was Jake Van
1: Dyne here? I, that's I, I was just
0: trying to remember if he was even here. So I can't remember. I have to go back and think. I think we only saw Butterfield, Thompson, and Knicks last year. Yeah, yeah. that was kind of my recollection. So I'm wondering if your guy will even see the field. But you know, if, um, if he does, you will find me in the press box with my hands. I know we're not allowed to cheer up there, but I'll be like, "Yes, We're get, get my rush time."
1: <laughs> I think you can. Uh, you can do internal cheering, which I find myself doing quite frequently. Yes. So do some. You can yes, do some we'll internal. Do that even making eye contact with me of like here's my guy that that will suffice there we go all right running back are you excited to see <sighs> there's a good there's a good a lot of options for most of these in part I just want i just yes. say we haven't really said this in the pod so far like we've seen so little this spring even compared to last spring like last year we watched I think three or four eleven on eleven sessions or periods mm-hmm. um of fastball which at least gives you an idea of like them doing some some stuff that looks like football we've seen one this spring and so I haven't seen really either two freshmen running back do anything. So I guess.
0: Well, and when the when the running backs are working individual drills, they're always on the opposite yeah, side of the way field. So we really away. we do not see the running backs work unless it's in special team stuff right in front of us. Yeah. So we've I've seen like Jaden Lamar and Dante Daldo catch f-
1: like kicks off of a kick machine like twenty five times <laughs> this, this spring. I haven't seen them do really hardly anything like in the backfield. So. Huh. I'll take Dowdell just because, in general, I was more excited as him as a, a prospect. But, I I mean, there's been some really positive buzz about both guys, um, especially from some of their, their older teammates. I know Noah Whittington uh, yesterday was talking about Lamar and his speed and how impressive he was in that regard, which, you know, I think, again, Lamar was committed to Notre Dame for a really long time. So this is not like a under-the-radar prospect four-star guy. But I think with, with kind of the perception being that Dowdell or Dowdle, I still need to figure out how to pronounce that name. We need – I think it's Dowdell. Dowdell. I think it's Dowdell, yeah. Okay, we'll go with Dowdell. One of my things I'm most excited about is hearing how Don Essig pronounces all these names on Saturday. Oh, God, that could be a a travesty. I don't know
0: what he's going to say. And it's going to be
1: extremely confusing for all the new players because we're going to be like, okay, well, the U of O sanctioned PA guy is saying this is how you pronounce the name. And then you're like, I don't know if that's even
0: close. Um, I don't. I don't think we can take anything Don says as, as true fact at this point. He's said some stuff during men's basketball games where it's like, um, okay, how many years do we have left here? <laughs> I won't touch it. He's a legend. You'll <laughs> leave that one
1: alone. Yeah, he's a legend. I love Don. Um, anyway, uh, no, but to the point, like I, I guess I will go with Dante just because I, I think. The physical attributes are really encouraging. Um, I'm excited to see both those two guys. Two guys. I know I, I don't. I won't cheat and try to pick both, but like I think in general, like both those guys are, are players. I'm really excited to see, and and uh, you know, I mean, I guess I'll just be curious for come fall of how much we see those guys at all. Um, and you know, if, if these guys are as capable as it sounds like they might be, it's been pretty clear. Lachlan and the staff has been open to finding roles for guys, just like Jordan James last year. Mm-hmm. Carved out a very clear role. Um, like I'll be curious to see if those guys play much this fall, but I just haven't seen either of those guys do much. So I, I, I'll i go with Dante dowdo but I don't. I don't really have a strong inkling between the two. I think I'm, I'm excited to watch both of them, to be honest.
0: Yeah, I think that's the right answer because what you said. Like I, I'm not sure that we will see them much after from this spring game until next spring game because mm-hmm. there's there's no real clear indication that we'll see them this fall. Um, I'm trying to pick my guy. It's going to be either Noah Whittington or Jordan James. Um, I'm honestly going to go with Noah Whittington. I know that seems like a an interesting answer because he was a semi starter last year with Bucky Irving, right. but him and Carlos Locklin talked about that. He's put on about 10 pounds. He's really trying to become more of a physical runner. He said yesterday, I asked him what it, what it added to his game. He said, it makes me a lot faster. Um, I don't, I think that he's kind of been overshadowed by Bucky because Bucky is just so enthralling and so fun to watch and so good. But Noah's a really good running back, and he's a really, really good – if he's your number two back, I think you're in a great spot. So um, I know it seems like a really easy answer to say him. Yeah, of course I want to watch one of the starting running backs. But um, I think that he's really done a lot to kind of add to his game and and build up his body a little bit more. And I want to see how that changes his running style and if we see anything different from him than what we saw a year ago. Just one last thought before we go
1: to wide receivers. I'll also be curious on rep counts with with these top running backs because – Coaches have different strategies in terms of how much they want to put their star guys out there in a spring game situation. And at running back, we've certainly seen in the past, like where whether it was Travis Dyer or CJ Verdell, maybe they only get a couple series each. And then it is it is the young guys. Mm-hmm. Or I know there was a spring game where Aaron Smith had like every carry in the second half. Do you remember that? So it's like, uh, yes, I do remember that. It's possible we see Whittington and Bucky for like, you know, they, they get four or five touches each and that's it for the day. And then we do see the Jordan James, Dante Dowdell, and, and uh, Jaden Lamar. Plus, whatever walk-on running backs are Kilohana, Kilohana like is a that that still was one of the best. Like his touchdown against which which game was that? Eastern?
0: Yeah, I think it was Eastern, where
1: he had the jump cut in the hole and like the spin and all mm-hmm. that stuff and the and the dive. Like that was one of the better. I mean, there were some really big highlight runs last year, and like obviously it was against Eastern Washington and not you know, like North Carolina or BYU or whatever. But like that was a that was a pretty nice little 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 move he had there. So yeah, I, I'd yeah. love to see him touch the ball a little bit.
0: I think we'll definitely get to see quite a bit of that because Lachlan, I mean, this whole offensive staff, they kind of have a, a knack to spread the ball around and not really rely on one person too much. And especially in the spring game. So, um, all right, wide receiver, who you got? It's gotta be Tez. God damn it. I, think- I almost wanted to say, I'm going to go first. Cause I yeah. want to pick Tez Johnson. <laughs> we can pick the same guy, Zach. We can have the same. Nah, opinion. That's fine. That's no, fine. no, we'll talk. I've got another guy and we're going mean, to spread
1: it around. There, yeah. There are other options. I just think like he's such a unique skill set from everything we've heard and again i've seen so little this spring that i just want to i just want to see it because the speed part you see it in film at troy against sunbelt competition and it obviously has some clips against bigger schools but i want to see how it translates i just i mean like everything you mm-hmm. hear is like this guy i mean dan has pointed him out as like the, the fastest guy or, or like a guy who really stands mm-hmm. out with his speed so I want to see that component of it. Um, I don't think we're seeing live returns. Uh, According to Dan, it sounds like they're going to have live kickoffs, Mm -hmm. but once the ball is caught, that's like it's dead ball. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'll be, I'll be really curious to just see kind of, you know, how much they incorporate him, um, you know, and kind of what his role is. But like, I, I I remain like really intrigued by him just because again, the speed part. And then also like I was looking at rosters. He weighs 150 at Troy. I think that would be the lightest player that Oregon has had since they've least archived the database rosters on GoDucks. Like I went all the way back to I mm-hmm. think it was like 2002 or three or something like that. And no one was lighter than like 155. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he weighs, but he's like one of the the, the least hefty players that Oregon has yeah. had in a very long time. But like you don't usually see guys like that make big big contributors. But everything you hear is like this guy's going to be a really big part of the offense. So I'm I'm that's a guy. I, I honestly that's like near the top
0: of my list offensively. I think, yeah, he's one of the guys that I'm most intrigued to see. He remi- I feel like he is going to be what a lot of fans expected 7-McGee to be. Hmm. He's kind of that like dynamic offensive player that you can put in gadget situations and use different ways. So I wouldn't be shocked if like one of the first offensive plays we see, like we saw last year with 7, is just a deep shot to Tez and just see what yeah. he can do with the ball or just get him in space. So um, yeah, Tez is near the top of the list of players I can't wait to see. Uh, the guy I'm pick is going to be uh, the guy I'm going to pick is going to be Kyler Casper. Um, I think that he's someone that, again, has received some praise from uh, other players, and Dan Lanning specifically has said that he's done a really good job this year. Junior Adams, Junior Adams, talked about you know how important him coming enrolling early a year ago was, and how he's kind of got a jump on. You know, I mean, he should be a true freshman this year, but he came last year and really jumped into the deep end. So, um, I just want to see. I think that right now. On the Oregon, you know, wide receiver depth chart, there's four guys that you feel really confident are going to contribute. With you know, Troy, Chris, Trey, Sean, and Tez. Yeah. can Kyler make that five guys? I know we've got Jurion coming in the fall; he might get into that mix too if he can really get up to speed quickly. But Kyler's someone he's got the body type that you know Oregon doesn't really have a lot of players like him. He is six five. I don't know how much he weighs, but he's you know he's a a well-built, well put together receiver, and someone that can uh, I think can use that body type well and maybe go up and get some jump balls. So, um i'm excited to see because again we didn't i don't think he played any snaps last year Can you correct me on that if i'm wrong but he did play a little bit played a little bit at uh yeah when they went to arizona that was like
1: a homecoming i think he caught okay. like a four yard pass at like the very end of the game but yeah i think that was basically okay. like he he wasn't a factor they basically were like hey we're going to your home state your family's down there let's let's get you in the game i think that was yeah mostly what his role ended up being yeah
0: but this will be a, a the best time that we've ever gotten to see him. Yeah, and I just, I want to see what he can do with that frame and if he can be a contributor at the wide receiver position. The guy is an awesome jump ball guy. If you could you go
1: and watch, like a like great high school basketball dunker at least. I don't know how the rest of his game translates, but like some of the like he's a really freaky, twitchy, six foot five, six foot six, whatever he is, athlete. And like, yeah, I just yeah. like you haven't seen a whole lot of him. I think that's another good pick.
0: All right, tight end. There are two people to choose from, so you take your pick, and I'll no, take the other one. There are walk-ons. <laughs> I okay, it. if you're gonna take uh, Landon Shepherd, is that
1: who we're going with? Well, there's also the the bigger one. Is it Tyrese Brashier? I forget what his first name is. That like it is. It's like, Tyrese. I think it is. Yeah, he's like six foot six, two hundred He's the new Tyler Nanny, basically. Yes, he's uh, big. Yeah, we won't pick either of those guys because, like, honestly, if those guys are factoring into something in the fall, that's like a real problem. Like that's a, you got you got <laughs> other problems, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like if those guys are regular contributors or names you're knowing on Saturdays this fall, that's that means that they didn't hit the portal very well. Um I know that's a place mm-hmm. we should know, like both Maringer and Landing have like not said we are going to use portal, but have been very clear that they're open to adding players.
0: Like They've said that without saying that specifically, like yes. yes, they are they are adding a player via the portal. And which they, they have uh, not done yet, but
1: they have to. And and because of Ferguson being out, like you said, it's either Patrick Herbert or Kenyon Sadiq. I'll take Herbert just because – like, I know Sadiq's oh. the more exciting player. I'll give. I'll let you do your spiel there. But yes, I'll I, take it. I, I, Herbert's somebody who, like, I kind of was – I don't want to say wrote off, but after the couple of years of just being away and being hurt and some of the development of, like – ferguson and at the time not of val it was kind of like well what's his role long term really gonna be you know and then he had cam McCormick to consider at, at some point he also had uh, rest in peace spencer webb to consider like it was just kind of like what's mm-hmm. his path and he's gonna have it this is his opportunity man like it, it, it went from a spot where it was like oh he's like at best their fourth or fifth tight end to being like in the spring game he's their most experienced you know probably mm-hmm. their top tight end on the roster um like what can he provide and like you saw at times last year some of the, the explosiveness came back a bit. Like, I mean, he was. I'm not sure, Zach, if you watched him much when he was ever at Sheldon, but um, mm-hmm. he was he was a, like, a time. he was a tough guy, like, he was he was explosive, he's a, and, he's and, a great athlete, yeah. And, but I just think because of the injury, I don't know how much we've seen of that. And I think you know, at least the touchdown against Cal Lake was kind of a sign of some of that stuff coming back. Mm-hmm. And I'll just be curious to see what what he can provide. I know Sadiq's the sexier name or whatever you want to say, but I think Herbert is. somebody I'm really curious to watch and um, I asked Lanning about him yesterday and and he seemed to at least be encouraged by kind of the progress and and kind of what Herbert does and his reliability and and so I know he's I I know Sadiq is somebody we haven't seen at all but Herbert's someone who we equally really I know he he played a decent amount last year but like in a more expansive role maybe I'll just be curious to see
0: how he performs. Yeah, you asked about you asked Dan. We were talking to him yesterday about Herbert, and that was interesting because I don't know if there's been a couple times this spring where Dan's given us answers where it's kind of like, is he saying that just so we have something interesting to write about, or is he actually like mean this? Like he did that earlier with the tight end position, saying that, oh yeah, Josh Connerly yeah. might be someone that we throw at a tight end. It's you and I talked about it. We're like, okay, thank you for the headline, but that's never going to happen. That was so, so I kind of was wondered, so weird.
1: By the way, can we talk about that for yes, a second? Go ahead. It's yes, just please. just because Dan is the he is the most cautious individual from a coaching perspective I've ever seen to give, to name names at, about anything. And so the fact that he answered mm-hmm. my question was like I was like, wow, that's great. And then the fact that he threw out those names was like, huh? Yeah. Mateo and Josh Connerly. It's like and Mateo, Jake, I could see he played and, tight end. And like, Jake Shipley, who okay. we'd seen most recently on like a scooter. Yeah. And I was like, and he mentioned yeah. he was out, but it was just kind of like, oh, these are the names because like he figured. I Mateo made some sense, but like Connerly, that's a that's your top left tackle. Like I don't that yeah. doesn't. How is that? He works okay. like he's <laughs> like six six three hundred. I don't anyway, but we digress. Yeah. If he by the way, if he could shed weight and be a tight end at 66285 or something like that, like I don't I don't know, I don't know what that does, yeah. but that's
0: <laughs> sort of a, that's interesting. That would be fun to watch. But Um, yeah, I'll start on Kenyan Sadiq. I have to give you credit. You were actually the one that really turned me on to Sadiq once you were committed. And you told me one of the days when we were waiting around for practice, you're like, if you watch this guy's high school tape, it's like incredible. And I went and turned it on. And ever since I've been a a huge believer, I mean, he's what he did. I know in Idaho, maybe a less competition level than, than other places in the nation, but what he's doing with the ball and what he does with that, that physical size and his attributes is just incredibly fun to watch and really impressive. So like you said, we have not seen him this spring. We haven't really seen him play live football too much, other than you know blocking drills and some you know breaking tackling drills. But um, yeah, I just i I think that this is a really good situation for him without Ferguson there because he's going to have to play a lot, and I think that we're really going to get to see a, a good sample size of what he's able to do at the college level and on the field. Uh, I can't wait either.
1: I mean that that both those guys, the tight end position in general, is like. I think everybody should be kind of locked in because the reality is everybody knows Ferguson come fall, and we should note like I don't know if we, Dan hasn't talked specific of injury. It looks like it's like an upper, it's an arm injury. I think it's his right. It was an arm a, that's in a yeah. Sling. He was in a
0: sling, right arm yeah. right after last scrimmage. So,
1: so that's that's like unless that's like a really serious arm injury, like he's gonna be fine come fall. I think I feel pretty yeah. comfortable saying, and I've heard that already. So, but we know who that's, we know who the starter is and it's not going to be one of the two Mm -hmm. guys, but we really have no clue on depth. And because they only have two guys and haven't added an additional player, like these two players could play a ton last this year. And and if, and if Ferguson's injury does, you know, knock on wood become an Mm -hmm. issue, like those two guys are going to be thrust into a a much, much bigger role than I think anyone anticipated. So yeah, I mean, this is a position group that is is a huge priority, I think.
0: Well, and another note on Ferguson's injury, the, day after he missed the first practice and we kind of noticed that he was gone he wasn't in a sling at all and was wearing like a, a leg sleeve so i was led to believe it was a leg injury and so it didn't seem to be a problem with the arm then we saw him next time with the sling so i like you said i don't think it's a really serious injury maybe he had a little bit of work done just to clean it up before summer before before the fall camp starts but yep. um yeah once once he's healthy and back I, there's no question about who you're starting tight end is because he's he's really talented um Let's go to the offensive line. You do one, I do one, you do one, I do one. Um,
1: Well, one of the guys I was most excited to see doesn't sound like we'll be playing. That's Marcus Harper, sadly, um, just Mm because I find him to be kind of the wild card in the whole offensive line competition because is he a center? Is he a guard? Is he going to start at either one he started like 10 games last year I thought there were some really nice moments um, some moments that were not as nice but like in general like he's a capable player I was just excited to see how he fit in and kind of the fact that he was repping at center that was going to be something I was really keen in on was that how does Jackson Powers Johnson look how does Marcus Harper look these are two guys who haven't really played the position in college um, but we aren't going to get an opportunity to compare and contrast so I'll I'll just stick with Jackson I, I think that's 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 an easy place for me to start I think people take for granted, like the center position at Oregon for like the last 20 years has been like a rotating door of like four year starters of guys who've like carried the mantle for a really long time. It was Forsyth And you go back through all of these years, Grass who was here, Jake Hansen was here. Um, before mm-hmm. that, you had, uh, you know, but Jeff Schwartz was, uh, there's just been a bunch of, not Jeff Schwartz, sorry, uh, Max Unger. You've had just a bunch of guys who mm-hmm. played the position at a really high level. And, and, uh, and, and now there is, you know, we've reached that point where you know, maybe the next guy's Jackson, maybe the next guy's Marcus Harper, whoever it is, is going to have a couple of years opportunity to do that. And Pirate Johnson's a guy I've been really high on, you know, you mentioned Sadiq and kind of looking at his high school family. I remember having similar feelings about, uh, JPJ as a high school player. When you watched his film, you were like, this guy's, this guy's a one tough ombre. Like he pushes people mm-hmm. around. He's really physical. He's really strong. And you've seen him come to Oregon and just develop more physically. So, I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. and by the way, PFF graded him. I know it wasn't quite, I know we're going to go PFF they here. Loved him. They loved yeah, him. Of course. He was, I think he was like their, <laughs> Oregon's best offensive lineman, obviously yeah. a smaller sample size than the starters, but not by that. I mean, he played every game and I think he played, played a lot. I want to say, I don't have it pulled up in front. I think he played like over 200 or 300 snaps. Like he played a fair amount mm-hmm. last year and, and PFF thought he was really good. So I am remain really high on him. I think he'll be the center. I um, be mm-hmm. my guess uh, when we get to fall, but we've not seen him in this role. I'll be curious to see kind of what, what he looks running that. And, and we should note, like the first, the only 11 on 11 we saw, like there were some snaps that weren't very good and Jackson was responsible. Mm-hmm. So that's something also to keep
0: an eye on. Yeah, it's interesting. I was doing we had a piece up on Ducks today that are some of like the top position battles to watch in the spring game. And I wanted to do, you know, notes on the center position and like left guard. Cause I think those are two spots in the right. offensive line. We really, we really have some competitions and it's kind of unfortunate because of injuries. I don't think we're going to see those position battles really play out in spring because yeah. you've got junior angle who landing didn't say for sure. He's not going to play on Saturday yesterday when I asked him, but I would be shocked if he played on Saturday. Yep. And then like you said, Marcus, Marcus Harper out. So, um I think that you guys did a really good job on your podcast talking about this guy. I'm going to pick a Johnny Cornelius. Yeah. Um I think that his, you know, his body of work at Rhode Island was really impressive. Um like you guys were saying on the podcast, he has a real a real physical stature that is not like the other linemen. It feels like he could easily switch over and play like defensive tackle. Like he's yeah. really lean, muscular, but still big. Um I I'm just excited to see what he can do because um, I know Dan was incredibly high on him out of the transfer portal he loved getting him they were they were super stoked to have him and he's one of the leaders in that locker room right now and um, I think that I you know it's big shoes to fill coming in and taking over for for big Sala because he was a pretty solid right tackle especially when he was a, a pulling tackle over on runs on the left side so I can't wait to see if we get Cornelius out in space and kind of moving a little bit and see what he can do
1: I'll take the other like really athletic tackle we mentioned him a moment ago Josh Connerly um, yeah. i was going to pick whichever one you didn't pick. I was going to take the other. I I, I think athletically, you know, something we talked about on our podcast, you kind of talked mentioned a moment ago, our discussion there. We had, I can't remember when that was, if it was earlier this week or last week, but I think it was last week. Mm -hmm. Just about like, just the tackle bodies on this year's team are so much more like what you see at the big schools and what you see in the NFL. Like both Josh Connerly and Johnny Cornelius look like offensive tackles that you would see Playing on Sundays, just with their, as you said, Mm -hmm. you you kind of knocked it out of the park there with your Cornelius uh, description of just kind of the long, lean nature. You know, carries three hundred pounds, whatever it is, really, really well, like it incredibly well. And so, like, yeah, both those guys, I'm encouraged by. And I think, you know, we don't know the format of this exactly how the teams were split. I did ask. Dan uh, did a great job of uh, taking a a yes or no question and making it a yes or no answer. Very literal. My my fault. (laughs) Um, But uh, we don't know exactly how they're splitting teams, but I I hope we get to see at least a little bit of what it looks like if those two are on the field at at each tackle spot together. Because I think ultimately that's where we're headed come fall. Um, That's the way it's looked throughout spring. But I just would love to see a Cornelius-Connerly tackle combination. Cornelius at right tackle – um, Connerly at left. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm like really, the idea of that is, is really intriguing. Cause I don't know if Oregon, like Oregon's had some really good offensive linemen. Obviously I'm not going to start to like say that these guys are going to be better than Pene Sewell, who was the best offensive lineman mm-hmm. in the country. I think not to bring PFF up again, but I think PFF's <laughs> highest rated <laughs> offensive line recruit or player, I should say like ever, uh, you know, like, or I think he had like the highest overall offensive line grade his, his final season when he won the Outland. Um, I just think those two guys provide something that Oregon fans just haven't seen at tackle. And, and they're not, as you said, not as big. They're not going to be quite as physical as you would have um, on rundowns, maybe, like with just the size of a Sala or a TJ Bass mm-hmm. the last couple of years. But the athleticism is something that is like, wow, that's just unique to what we've seen in Oregon and something I'm, I'm just excited to take in.
0: I got to say, if Dan was listening, I don't think he is. He's definitely turned off the podcast by now with as much as we've mentioned PFF. So <laughs> good job for, for getting one of our listeners out of here. <laughs> um, I'm going to take Dave Aiuli at left guard. I think that he's someone who, you know, we have, like you said, we've said it a million times on this podcast. We haven't seen a ton, but when we have seen the offensive lines line up, you know, it's in drills or fastball. He's someone that I've been, you know, impressed to see out there more than I thought he would. Um we, we mentioned the injuries with, you know, Angelau out, Harper out. Yeah. Those are two guys that could play left guard too. So I think he'd be battling with with either of those two for that starting left guard spot. I don't think he's gonna get the left guard spot because, you know, there's more talented players ahead of him once they're sure. healthy. But um, you know, he was a, a really great recruit coming in that 2022 class. Um I think that they're they're impressed with what they've seen by him. We haven't asked too much about him yet. I would actually be really curious. To ask you know yeah. Terry or Dan about him and just see what what type of progress he's made, but I've been impressed with what little we've seen so far, and I want to see more of a body work, work for him because we didn't see him at all last year.
1: Yeah, uh, that was a name that there was definitely buzz coming out of like off season workouts that I was hearing. Like this is mm-hmm. the guy who's really maybe taking a step. I don't know if that translates to much. Um, one other name for me to throw out here, I know I'm picking three, but no, just another guy excited about. Like I think feope like he's been mm-hmm. repping at left tackle. Um, which is a surprise. I thought he was more of a guard, but I think one thing that really stood out to me, just watching him move. And again, it's pretty limited. As we've said a thousand times in this podcast, just, but <laughs> just the truth, I, I think it, athletically, he looks so different than he did when he arrived. And I think he looks a lot more explosive. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious to see how he looks, um, you know, especially on passing downs, because I think he should be okay as a run blocker based upon just size and, and kind of what we've seen to this point. But like how good are his feet? Because I thought that was always the thing that concerned me, and and just like the flexibility, can he bend? Can like all that sort of stuff? Like mm-hmm. he's just he was just like four hundred pounds when he arrived, and now he's playing. He's too I big. Think, I think at like probably 310, 320 right now, and again mm-hmm. to me looks great. So I I say that, and I'm of course on Saturday he'll get like just absolutely roasted by Jordan Birch, and we'll be like oh. <laughs> but, but I, I that's so a, much for that. Yeah, but that's a guy I'm like kind of tentatively like. I think there's something that is incredible.
0: Yeah, you've you've been intrigued by him this spring. We've had a few conversations about Feiope, so I'm not surprised that you threw that little little extra one on. Yeah. Um, defensive line, who you got? God, there's a lot of guys here. I know. I mean, we, <laughs> we could go five, we- five five. With, yeah, let's do back and forth. Okay. Um, I can go first if you don't. Yeah. Mind. Why don't you go first? Because I want to think on this one. Okay, I'm going to take uh, the guy I think every fan wants to see. I'm taking Mateo. I mean, he's he's been getting a lot of positive buzz from both coaching staff, offensive linemen. I mean, Johnny was asked last week uh, when we—I t- think it was last week—we talked to him. You know, what what defensive lineman have been kind of giving you the best challenge? And I think Mateo Uyungla was the first guy he mentioned. He said Jordan Birch and Mateo. It's like it's a pretty good pretty good class to be to be mentioned in. So um, I'm just—I know he was a, a high star recruit, and it was a five star recruit got re- reassigned to a four star late, but. Um, the the coaching staff seems to love him. he seems to be impressing so far. he's definitely put on some size and some muscle since getting yeah, here in the yeah. short time he's been here so I just want to see it i want to see the body of work i know we've we've said that a million times but um i I'm just excited to see what he can do because i think that he i didn't know if he would be a real a real player coming in as a true freshman, but they don't have a ton of depth at that edge rusher spot so um if he could contribute as a true freshman, i think it would be huge hugely beneficial for this team if you Slow
1: down a uh, video clip that they did from the second scrimmage. I think it was a Jeffrey Bossa like sh- shout out, and you like scroll through uh-huh. it. Matteo looks like he was running with the, the first group at some point in that
0: scrimmage. Okay, so like I believe it, that's and nice. that's that's true fact. So yeah, that's something to be kind <laughs> of
1: take uh, that. I don't know, like, but also like, there's so many ways that that could have been completely meaningless. Yeah. So like, but that was just a I
0: love scrolling through those videos yeah. that they send out and be like, oh, who's playing with who's.
1: I, uh, this is such an embarrassing admission. My phone wasn't working very well. I literally was so intrigued by who was out there because because uh, I was like, I just got to check this out. I literally threw my phone against the wall. It was a mistake. It wasn't good. <laughs> it, was a, it, was a, it was a frustrating moment. I, I, I actually haven't told anybody. You can see on my phone in the back of it's like completely like, cracked now. But, uh, okay. yeah, anger problems came out because I was just like, oh, my gosh, this is like actual stuff we're going to see. And I was like, I can't get it to work. Anyway. Uh, yeah, no, I, good pick with Mateo. Like, I'll, I'll take probably the other layup, which is Jordan Birch. Um, <laughs> like, it's just a, it, it's similar to to Mateo. It seems like every time anyone hears his name defensively or even on offense, their eyes kind of light up, like, oh, oh, yeah. And so, in terms of like, by the way, recruiting profiles, he's I think he's the most highly rated former recruit on the roster, and Oregon didn't sign him. But this was a guy who was like <laughs> a. Was he the eighth best player in the country, I think, in his class? Yeah. To South Carolina State and yeah. State. So, like, a huge amount of expectations are, are there. And I, I'm just curious to see how it all fits together and what it looks like. Um, you know, we were talking, uh, myself and, <clears throat> and Jared Matt, who I work with over at Tech Territory and James Crepia, about, like, hypothetically, Christian Gonzalez goes top 10 um, to tomorrow in the nfl draft like that would be four straight years like who would be the person who could continue that in 2024 and i think we all kind of agreed like there's not like a real home run name but like if there is one it's probably jordan birch just because of the position he Mm -hmm. plays the pedigree and the athletic tools and we said that without really having seen this guy play any football at oregon so um let's see on saturday if that feels let's see how that feels we'll try that one on on saturday we'll see how we feel about our our comments
0: yeah i feel like i mean we have not had the opportunity to talk to Birch yet in interviews. I feel like I'd be surprised if we didn't get him after the spring game. I feel like he's they're kind of maybe waiting for, <clears throat> you know, one of the bigger opportunities for him to come on and talk to the media. But the way he carries himself and the way he everything we've heard about how he operates and how he's always doing the right thing, he kinda of reminds reminds me not in skill level because we haven't seen him yet, but kind of like a cave on Thibodeau where it's like, this is just profession. He's preparing for the next level and he's kind of like, this is just his job. So, um, you know, Dan was saying earlier this year, like, you know, you watch Jordan Birch do do something and that's like, that's how it's done. Everyone needs to watch that because he's doing it the right way. So um, yeah, I, I, there's so much hype about him. I just can't wait. They, they really need him to be good. They need him to be as advertised. That's the other part. Like it's a necessity. He's good. If he's not
1: good, then we're back to last year where Oregon has like the lowest sack output in 30 years or whatever it was in in Oregon.
0: Yep. Yeah. And then snowball effect. I mean, then you got secondary struggling and it just, it all becomes bad. So, um, all right. My next guy, I'm taking Taki Taimani. Um, I think that, again, we've heard so much about him on the defensive line. I think that um, he's he was trimmed down last year spring coming from Washington. I think he's trimmed down a little bit more. Obviously, we haven't seen weights or anything, but he just looks a little bit more fit, a little bit more agile than he was. I know he was, he was huge at Washington. I think he's lost a lot of weight since then, but um, again, we've heard from several people that you know he's he's really stepping up in year two in that program. I know he didn't he didn't play that much last year. Honestly, I think he had a, a smaller role than he expected and probably we expected. But um, he's a name that keeps popping up, so I want to see if he can really how much he plays first of all, and then how much havoc he can wreak kind of in that defense. I, I kind of in a similar
1: position, like I, I the return of Popo Amavai. Is something I'm yeah. curious with. And, and to your point on Taki, I think that also stands with Popo. Like, I don't know how much they'll actually want to play him just because of what his injury history is. And we might not, I, I wouldn't be stunned if there are some guys that just hold out from this because of injury histories. And like, I don't think there's much to learn about Popo. I mean, I guess there, you want to see how he <laughs> plays coming off the injury against, you know, in, in kind of an in-game situation. But people know, like, based on his, this is, is this year six or seven like this is he's been here for a long time I'm pretty sure it's at least six um so like we there's a, we have a feeling for what he is as a player but what i would like to see is just like how does he look coming off the injury because mm-hmm. you know they, they they were fine up front last year i thought jordan riley was was pretty solid but mm-hmm. like if they could get taki and popo um to really step up and and then of course there's a bunch of younger guys that we can talk about if we want to like they should be really good up front. I think, you know, the, the upside is there at least. So I, I Popo coming back is I think kind of like an under the radar thing, because again, he doesn't play like a position that you see a bunch and probably to most casual fans. He's not a name you really know, but that's been around a really long time. And, and at least the last time we saw him in 21 was like a,
0: one of their better defensive players. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I'm going to follow your lead and throw on a, a third real small guy. Well, not real small guy, but we'll quickly mention him. Definitely not a small guy. Johnny Bowens. I can't wait to yeah. see him. He is one of the the largest and thickest humans I've ever seen. I think his neck is as big as my waist. So um, I, I just want to see him actually out there and, and playing with at the college level. He's going to be fun to watch.
1: That was that was like another guy that's on my list of non. We talked about a couple of veteran guys. You guys, you brought up Mateo. Mm-hmm. But Bowens is like for the interior freshmen that are here. Like, I don't. I want to know weight so bad with him. I have no so idea because he was – if you look at his high school profile, I think he was listed like 255, 265. He's, There's he's no, at least like 280, yeah, I swear. He's, he <laughs> looks huge. And if he's less than that, he's carrying his weight in a way that like I have never seen before because <laughs> he – to your yeah. point, he is so broad. And like that's where, oh, again, man. he was brought in. I think he's listed as like a strong – you know, as a strong side defensive end or something like that or as a defensive yeah. end, lineman. It's like mm-hmm. I think he can – physically grow and be a potentially like somebody who's playing, you know, at them in the very heart of your defensive line. So that's a guy that's a good name
0: too. He's someone that I feel like landing wants to turn him into his version of like a Jalen Carter and just Mm. have him on the defensive line. Just absolutely wreaking so much havoc. Um, All right, we'll keep this moving. I'm going to, I'm going to continue going first on the defensive side linebacker. Very, very easy one. I'm taking Justin Jacobs. I think that, you know, we saw such good stuff from him at Iowa when he was healthy and it, seems like he's a hundred percent healthy and ready to play again. He's another guy that Oregon really needs him to be the player he can be. If they're going to have a lot of success on defense, because that's not a very deep linebacker room. I know that's, it's pretty talented. I think you feel pretty confident in some, some guys you have there, but um, Justin Jacobs is someone that I think they really need to, to step up and have the physicality from the big 10 and bring that to Eugene.
1: Yeah. And I would, I think you're encouraged by Dan's comments. Last Saturday after the scrimmage, at Jacobs, it sounded like, had an interception, according to Dante Manning. Good job by Zach for yep. getting somebody to tell us some actual information. <laughs> Asking the hard questions here. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and Dan, I think, even said, I think I, I was one who asked it, like, does he look like he did pre injury at Iowa? He said, he did it today. So, like, that was that was encouraging because you just don't know what these guys coming off of injury. I mean, I just talked about Popo. I talk, we talked earlier really about Junior Angela, who I don't think we'll get to see. But some of these guys who missed all of last season with whatever injury, or most of, I think I guess Jacobs played a game or two uh, before mm-hmm. being shut down. You just wonder how all of that has translated, what the work back is, how good the recovery is. So, um, that's a good name. And for me, this is like one of my top guys period, is Jamal Hill. I like, am so yes. curious mm-hmm. to see what this looks like because I was really skeptical of the move when it happened. Um, not, not, maybe not skeptical. I just I wasn't sure. Intrigued. Yeah, I was intrigued, but I really <laughs> wasn't sure how it – I guess maybe skeptical is the right word. It just it felt <sighs> weird to me. Um, but then hearing him talk and kind of getting a sense of like, well, if they put both Bossa and Hill on the field together, it's too – safeties essentially who have put on a bunch of weight by mm-hmm. linebacker and given how poor Oregon's linebackers played in coverage last year, how much difficulties they had at times running, you know, East, West, North, South, like whatever you want to say, like they were slow, like Noah Sewell was a step slow. He's talking yeah. about he was injured, Justin Flo same kind of thing it just never felt like he, whole like, story he, yeah he, there was a I can't remember was it UCLA or what well, was a game at home where there was like a screen pass out of the backfield where it was he, UCLA where F- yeah where and flow just, just got burnt yeah he was just you could just tell he was so slow he's out of position he was slow to reading it anyway and then just and then just didn't have the speed to get there like mm-hmm. you assume a guy like a Jamal Hill who I've always been high on as a defensive back um has a chance to be a real contributor at linebacker. And, and the fact that he actually weighs 227 pounds, is put on like 15 pounds of weight, that's huh. that's not insignificant to me. So I just think in general, I'm curious about all of these defensive backs on the field together at once, or former defensive backs in this case. Because, Correct. Because it's interesting to me, you know, with, with just kind of how it, – it, it seems very intentional to me that Dan looked at the way things played out last year. Some of the defensive deficiencies and said, we need more speed. We need more coverage athletes on the field. And Jamal Hill was a guy who was one of their better defensive backs. Wasn't an awesome season. PFF actually graded him, I keep bringing it up, as the, as the team's best tackler uh, last year. Yeah. Like he's, he's got a skill set that fits. And I, again, I just am really curious to see how it actually looks because if I don't know if you play him and boss it together, but if you did, you'd be looking at two very small linebackers but two mm-hmm. very athletic Linebackers and, and I don't know if people who are listening to your podcast have heard my talk on Bosa know my opinion there. I'm not super high on him, but I am intrigued by the idea of like, what would it look like to have two more athletic
0: guys, a little smaller bodies out there? It feels like they're kind of taking like a dime defensive package and putting yeah. it on steroids. Like you're yeah, really right. just, you got more safeties on the field, more people that can cover, but they've got a little bit more weight and they can play in the running game. but. When you look at the Pac-12 offenses that this defense mm-hmm. is going to face, a lot of them spread the ball out, and there's a lot of spread offenses that, you know, they're going to have to cover the pass a lot. So, yeah. Um, again, yeah, I, I like Hill down a linebacker. I'm intrigued to see what he can do. He's made me consider whether or not I could do 300 push-ups a day. I don't know that I could, but if he's going to gain, I think, 17 pounds in a couple of months, hey, it might be worth a try. So You, you don't need to gain 17 pounds, Zach. Come on now. No, well, but you know, you put it, you summer's know. coming. Okay, summer's coming.
1: Fair, fair <laughs> Get that, get that dad bod. You know, you gotta get, you gotta get move on yeah. to the dad bod there. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm not I, sure I, my I wife uh, to love that. I know I can't do 300 pushups. Uh, <laughs> I, Jamal, Jamal did say he does those in sets of 50, which gives me a chance to maybe do one set over the course of my own five sets. I can do 50 push-ups over five <laughs> yeah. groups of ten, maybe at this point. 50 straight—that's tough. That's all. I used to be when I was yeah we'll digress but i, used to, I used to, that, that, was, that was not not a difficult thing for me when i was their age but when you get a little older and, yeah. and you maybe don't do as yeah. much exercising it becomes a little more more challenging
0: all right cornerback um god there's a lot of guys that i really want to see a lot of guys that really need to prove something i don't know that they will in the spring game because again I don't, we didn't really talk about offensively i'm not sure how much we're going to see um you know deep shots or, or will stein's offense and, and yeah. kind of you know, the high, the high power offense that Oregon has, we, but uh, we did last year.
1: We should know. I mean, I know yes, different, we different did, but, but
0: it was also, yeah, different coordinator. And it felt like last year, they kind of wanted to show that just as a little bit of a recruiting chip too, sure. to show like, Hey, new scheme here, new, all this, what we're running now at Oregon. So I'm not sure how much we see, but that's a different conversation. Cornerback. I'm going to say Kyrie Jackson.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, we talked to him yesterday for the first time. I was surprised at how big he is. I didn't realize he was that tall. Yeah. I don't know what he's listed at, but it was. I was kind was, of. Uh, oh, this is actually a six three at Alabama. good sized corner. Six yeah, three. six three. Like that's, you know, when you're comparing him to the other guys in the room, Dante Manning, shorter guy, Julio Florence, shorter guy. I know Triquez Bridges. That's a different conversation because he might be moving back to safety, yeah. but he's a he's a big guy. So, but I was just impressed by how by Kyrie's stature um coach meat said earlier in the week that you know part of why they wanted him is because he he really works in Oregon's scheme he said that oregon's mm-hmm. defense is not free agent friendly which i thought was really interesting so great that made them want to get him from from uh alabama because they run a similar defense so um i think he's ready to kind of hit the ground running based on his talents and his his knowledge of the system so um i want to see if he can maybe get one of those starting cornerback spots you're right on the height part by the way
1: like he's I, as I said listed at Six at Alabama he like he's maybe taller than that like I you know yeah, I, he looks at there there are guys in the team where you look at it and go oh they're listed at that well, that seems that's not accurate yeah he could be six four like I mean he's a tall mm-hmm. long corner and yeah I, I'm with you I think that's a guy I'm really excited. Can I take Quez as a corner he might be playing safety please <laughs> please do it now. I don't know where he's gonna play I mean the two guys I was thinking of were, were Quez and Julio Florence and neither of them might be mm-hmm. playing corner. Uh, so yeah, seriously. we'll see i mean and that, that again goes back to the conversation we had a moment ago with jamal and kind of getting more athletes on the corner kind of athletes on the field or defensive backs out there like i, I think it's also interesting that sounds like Triquez bridges is playing a little safety they've got jaleel florence and dante mm-hmm. manning cross training a little bit at nickel like i think there's a, a vision here to get just your best coverage guys on the field as possible you know as many of those guys in the field as possible and, and quez i think for me you know i still think of him as a corner um you know, if he's playing safety, maybe that's not not as helpful for that conversation. But like the, the corner thing is like, I, I just want to know who their number one guy is, right? Like, I thought it was notable mm-hmm. that Martin was like, not everyone's here yet. I don't want to say that. And I'm going like, yeah, that was interesting. What does that mean about Dalen Austin or Roderick Pleasant or transfer portal guy, num- you know, unknown player? Like, yeah. I just thought that yeah. was interesting. Um, and obviously, I would have been surprised if he was like, I'm going to on April 17th or whatever date it was April 22nd maybe say like (laughs) I think this player is our best corner like that would be kind of odd um Mm -hmm. but thought that was kind of interesting and speaks to the point I'm making which is like they need to they badly they don't need a Christian Gonzalez to be good defensively at that position necessarily but they need someone to step up and be that number one alpha guy it could be Kyrie Mm -hmm. um could be Triquez could be Dante could be Jaleel um But I'm just curious, Traquez is the one given his starting experience. And again, I thought he was actually pretty decent last year. I know that runs counter to (laughs) some narratives. He was. I I hope we're moving on from those because there was a lot of like Quez stinks narratives and there are certain fans who haven't moved on from that. But I think anybody who really went back and rewatched a lot of it, and especially the back half of the season, I thought he was pretty outstanding. Curious to see if he's ready to take that step into a QB one role, or again, he might be playing safety. So we'll kind of
0: see on that where he's lining up is also just interesting to me on on Saturday. I feel like we can feel pretty confident no matter, no matter where he lines up, whether it's at quarterback or safety, he probably is going to do a little bit of both. I feel like fans should feel, well, maybe not fans, at least media members that know what they're talking about should feel pretty confident that they've got a solid player there and they've got someone they can rely on. Cause like you said, yes, he's gotten a lot of flack from, Fans on Twitter, but that's, you know, take that for what it's worth. Um, I think that PFF again, I think that's the sixth time uh, they grade him out pretty well. He, he looks decent on film. Um, I think he's, he's a really solid player. So Um, moving on to safety in my mind, there's two really easy answers. I'm going to take one of them. I'm taking Tysheem Johnson. Um, I think that he at the nickel spot is someone that he's the kind of player that I don't think Oregon had last year. I mean, wait, they put. They put Bennett Williams in the star position a lot last year in that nickel spot. I don't I don't think he was a perfect fit there. I think they yeah. kind of put him there because he's the best thing they had. It feels like they went out and got Taishin this year because they're like, oh, this is a true nickel. Yep. This is someone that can play that star yep. spot for us and be really good at it. So I want to see what this defense looks like when they have that guy and when they've got someone with that skill set that they want. Uh, the skill set that they desire and running that spot. And I just want to see how much, how different the defense looks with him when they're not kind of, you know, filling that spot with what they have. That's another one of those guys where the eyes light up when his
1: teammates talk about him yeah. or hear his name. It's kind of like, Oof, like some of the stuff he does in practice sounds like it's been really special. And I think it was, was it Manning a couple of days ago who was just talking about how he's one of those see ball, get ball guys. of just like, he's got yeah. great instincts and breaks on the ball and yeah. is really uh, effective and kind of, um uh, you know, making it difficult for receivers to make easy
0: catch. So I think that's I think Manning said it was like playground football. He's like, yeah, it was playground football. He's see ball, get ball. It's like, that's honestly what you want out of a nickel safety. I mean,
1: (laughs) especially last year, like I'm a huge Bennett Williams fan in general, but like Mm -hmm. there were times last year where that was tough. And like, I don't know if I blame every single part of it on him because I think he was playing out of position. Like you said, like they just didn't, that was a position. I don't think they had on their roster, to be honest mm-hmm. with you, like, and maybe like, you know, if, if they had way better corners, you could have moved, like Christian Gonzalez might be a really good nickel corner, but you're like kind of going, or a slot corner, nickel safety, whatever you want to call it. But like, he's also a top 10 draft pick at corner. So you probably want to have him playing mm-hmm. that position. But I'm like, I just didn't think they had solutions. And Taishim is somebody who, like I'll be curious to see how the defense looks when they have a good fit there, I guess, is my point.
0: One thing before we move on from Taishim to your pick, I would we haven't asked this. This just kinda came to my head. I would be really curious to ask, we should have asked Coach Meat or Dante or Julio when they're when they're talking about that nickel. What is it that in their opinion that really are the intangibles that make a quarterback or a defensive back good in that nickel position? You know, what, what intrinsically are they looking for? What did Bennett Williams not have that made him maybe less of a fit there than Tysheem Johnson is? What do you think it is? It's a good question. Um,
1: Well, you, you need a really versatile player there because you're playing in the box, mm-hmm. obviously, which is why I thought Bennett like on rundowns. I don't have any issue with Bennett playing up there because we know he's capable. Mm-hmm. It was just on passing downs. Like you need someone who's a little bit better athlete and who can just man up a guy. And, I, honestly, at times they didn't even try to play. Man, like a lot of the, like against Washington, you go back and watch it. Like they basically played zone mm-hmm. like most of the game, and yes. um, and that was tough. And you know, Taishim, at least based on his background, has like more of a background in playing corner or coverage as opposed to Bennett, who was always previously had been playing safety. Um, and I think you need a little bit more of that there. So that would be my answer. I would, I would, I would be curious to hear an answer to that question. Maybe that's something we can, we can ask Dan about if Tyson yeah. has a great spring game. Maybe that's a nice that's transition good. for one of us to ask that question to Dan afterward. I call it. You got it. Dibs. You got it. Uh, <laughs> it'd be really funny if I like pick Steve Stevens. <laughs> yeah. We haven't seen enough of this guy. I don't know if I'm, I, yeah, I not at all. i, I do not I don't think I can make a, I don't have an assessment. No anything.
0: tape on him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: I'm going to go with probably. I'm imagining this was the other one you were thinking was Evan Williams. Was that was that where your yep, head was?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. I, and I mean, we just talked about his brother. Um, I think it sounds like a lot of the similar, uh, you know, intangibles and attributes are, 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 are carry over there. Um, you know, I, Dante Manning had a great press conference talking about a lot of the nuances <laughs> here. You should go pull that up. Just hearing him talk about Demetrius Martin coaching Cole Martin, his son, and, and, and then <laughs> also talking about you know, Bennett and Evan, how similar they are. Um, it really sounds like those guys, it, that that that. there's been so much warmth and openness to bringing him in because everyone loved his brother. And it really feels mm-hmm. like it's been seamless. So I'm just curious to see how he fits. And he's not going to be playing up front in nickel. At least he said he hasn't been cross-turning there when we spoke with him, gosh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, but that's obviously a position they need to improve. Like they weren't very good back yeah. there. And, and, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll see what he can do. Um, you know, I, I think... I think the upside is there for him to be one of your better defensive players. Like I really do based upon what we saw last year at Fresno. um, I think he's going to ultimately be one of your starting safeties, but there's a lot of competition back there. And there's a lot of like, I I mean, we joke about Steve Stevens. We joke about, you know, because he's been here forever, but I don't think you can overlook him as a person who can start. I don't think you can overlook Brian Addison as someone who could do that. We mentioned Mm Triquez playing it. I think at safety in general, it's really interesting kind of how all of this shakes out. And Evan, Mm -hmm. I think is my, probably the guy I would be most, I don't know if I want to say most confident, but somebody who I, I have a lot of confidence in being a really capable player back there. Um, so I'm curious to
0: see what it looks like first time on Saturday. And going back to what we were saying earlier, where you kind of get the videos that the team puts out and you kind of scroll through and see where guys are. I've noticed a lot that Evan Williams he tends to be, you know, in those pictures and in those videos a lot, kind of making a lot of plays and really hyping everyone up and getting celebrations around him. So, um, what does that mean who knows it could be the third team offense who or third team defense who knows but yeah. um yeah from what we've heard and what we've seen from him at fresno and um you know there's a little bit of the fact that we knew and loved bennett and liked him as a player and you you get those same genes and the same upbringing it's like yeah i have confidence that you know this is not going to be a bust not going to be a bad player so um, I know we've gone a lot longer than we said we were, so let's wrap up this last one real quick and get you out here. Special teams, this is your neck of the woods, so you go first. I can talk for longer, Zach. If you, I, we haven't talked I succession either. yet, when I mean, we got to do that, right?
1: Isn't that oh God, we got, that's good. This is gonna be a three hour podcast. Okay, you're right. Maybe we'll, we'll shelf <laughs> we'll that talk for maybe post spring uh, rundown okay. of the season. Um, yes, let's do that. That's one of the things, by the way, that we talk about probably more than almost anything during our 24 yes, hours. It definitely is. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Joe Lorig kind of threw me off the page. Yeah. Dunne? Dunny, <laughs> Dunny, I don't know. But uh, the Australian punter formerly referred to as Luke Dunn, now seemingly maybe as <laughs> Luke Dunny. That's another one where i like, what does Don Essig do? Like, be very curious to see. I won't necessarily. Probably what I'll do is whatever Essig says, I'll do the opposite in terms of pronouncing yes, it. I think that's correct. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, and, and obviously I'm kind of having fun with the name part because this was somebody who has... Very, very in spot talking to Lorig, like very, very little experience playing the sport. Like, this yeah. will be the first time. I just put a story up on duckterritory.com um, about it of just like this will be his first time playing in front of a crowd with this particular sport. Mm-hmm. Like, he played Australian rules football back in Australia. Um, you know, kind of interesting some of the background of, of Laura talking about how they decided to bring him in. It was kind of like they, Pro Kick Australia, which is a really big um and really successful uh you know kicking company or i don't know how you want to frame it um mm-hmm. but basically it was like yeah they told us we should take him so i took him like I was basically i mean yeah. i know it was more complicated than that but it was like yeah they gave us recommendations he was good and we we're like okay sounds good let's grab him and what you when you watch in practice he looks like the best punter they have <laughs> he looks really good he does <laughs> and ross james has been pretty inconsistent from what i've seen in practice mm-hmm. that's the other punter um but I, I'd just be curious to see what it looks like. And and also like this is this is his first time actually like playing this sport in front of a crowd, which happens so rarely for people playing in a college spring game that's like, Hey, this is the first time I've ever done this before. Like you could say yeah. like for the freshman, like, Oh, it's our first time playing in a stadium like Odson, but like, no, this is my mm-hmm. first time playing before anybody. Like, okay, yeah. that'll be interesting. Um, yeah. So, no, I, I think that's, that's somebody who I'm, I'm really intrigued with, and in part because I could have picked a Tez Johnson in the return game, but I don't think we get to watch that because I think once he catches the ball, it's like whistle's yeah. blown. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think Luke Dunn, Luke Dunney, Luke Dooney, whatever his name <laughs> is, will hopefully get an answer. Um, yeah, I think he's someone who I think fans will be hopefully excited
0: about. Hopefully he has a good game and can, can really boot it for him. I thought it was kind of crazy when Lord told us like, yeah, when he came here to Oregon, that was his first time stepping off the plane on American soil. I'm like, wow. I did not realize he was this fresh and this, this kind of new to the game. I think that was the exact same situation when Tom Snee came out here in 2018. Yeah. yeah. And Tom Snee was a great kicker, right? I kind of still wish Tom Snee. I mean, I know last year we wished Tom Snee was still here. So, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, that's part part of why this is important. Yes,
1: like, they tried four different guys last year. None of them were very yeah. good. And they were collectively like one of the worst punting units in the country. Were any of the punters
0: last year scholarship? I forget.
1: Barry was not.
0: I know. Well, I know Luke uh, is.
1: Boyle. Boyle was a, uh, was scholarship is he scholarship? And he, he scholarship and he did like two punts for one game that didn't go very well and not good, but he's,
0: he's a scholarship yeah. guy. But yeah. The, the other three okay. were not. I think the fact that they came out and gave a scholarship to a guy is at the punter spot. Like We we both know that scholarship count, there's not a ton to go around. So it's kind of like, all right, they're being serious. They need to get a guy that they feel confident with. Um, My special teams pick, I'm not going to go with Camden. I'm going to go with Grant Meters. Um, I know he's been – is he injured? Is he not? Dan will tell us one thing, Camden – 10 minutes later it's like oh I didn't I work with him every day I didn't know he was injured and 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 uh, and then Lorg (laughs) Lorg is like he had a hamstring injury or something he just came back but then also hit a 50 yard field goal and has looked really good on kickoff so just everything we've heard about Grant is kind of just all over the place he was the number one rated kicker in the nation coming in this year Um, I heard some things from him or about him at the scrimmage that he didn't look very good kicking field goals and there might have been a couple of shanks here and there Um, so I'm just, we've heard, I just want to watch him just to kind of see with my own eyes. What is this kid? Is he injured? Is he playing? How does he look? Um, just because we really don't know. And there's a lot of buzz because, you know, you get the number one kicker in the nation at a, at a position that historically hasn't been great for Oregon. I mean, there's, there's been some good guys, but there's been some, you know, Maldonados in there as well. So. (laughs) Um, I'm <laughs> I, I f- scared to bring that name up a little bit, but um, I'm I'm just interested to see because this is the, by all intents and purposes, the the future of the kicking position once Camden leaves after this year. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we get uh, in this first uh, first sighting of him. It's a good point. Yeah, this
1: is if, assuming meters is as advertised, and and you said. Really, really highly regarded recruit coming in, not on scholarship, by the way. But I imagine if he has yeah. a good year, Camden leaves. Maybe they transfer that over. Um, yeah. Could be something that happens. But I, I, uh, they need him. They need to find a replacement for Camden, who whose career has been, been been good, super weird. Like it's one of the weirder careers of like everyone hated this guy for two years, and now he's like, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys, if, if listeners are aware, he's on. He, he's going to be the school's all time like points scorer, like after this year, in part because mm-hmm. he's played five years, but he's been a pretty successful guy and his career is <laughs> coming to an end here. And, and at some point yes. it seems like grant meters will probably yeah. be the, the next one out there.
0: I think so. All right, Eric, thank you again for coming on today. This was a lot of fun. I think it was a really good listen for fans for, uh, yeah. we're looking forward to the spring game. Uh, check him out on Twitter at Eric underscore scopal. Uh, read all of his great stuff at Duck Territory along with both Matt Preem and Jared Mack who do a great job covering the sport. Uh listen to the Austin Audibles podcast. They're on what two or three times a week covering breaking everything down. So yep. um yeah, really, really good place to listen to them, really good read. Um I look forward to Saturday hanging out in the up in the press box on a nice sunny day. Mm. It won't be freezing cold up there and windy. Mm-hmm. So uh thank you again for coming on. Yeah, of course, man. I'll see you up there on Saturday. Well, I'll see you Thursday first. We'll see you I'll see you Thursday first. True. Thursday. <laughs> all right, thanks, Eric all right that's gonna do it for us today again thank you to eric scopo for coming on talking about the spring game we are going to be back i believe on saturday evening or sunday morning to recap the spring game recap some stuff we saw um i'm hoping to have a special guest on for that one we'll see if it actually actually comes through but thank you guys for listening and following along if you want to check out more of my work you can find it all at duckswire.usatoday.com or follow me at Zachary C. Neal on twitter We will talk to you guys this weekend. Uh, Until then, take it easy.